Good news, though. Good news. Good news. I have some excellent news. George, uh, this doesn't look like he's enthralled with your good news. George, that's not, that's not an anticipatory good news face. <laughs> a bit more, George. A bit more enthusiasm. Well, it's good news. I, I just connected that point. Did you need to oh. smile? Oh, I haven't. I haven't said what the good news is. I'm. I'm really kind of building it up. I'm really building it up. No, the good news is I've actually got. I've actually got something to present. Like I've actually thought of something. You know how Jamie's now having to step in for me because I didn't have a thing. Oh, oh I've right. actually got one. Right. Well, I, think I've, right. I think I've got one. I think I've got one. I think so I've you got. Social Work Short brings you beers and ideas. Philosophy for social work. Jamie, George and Stephen think, drink and talk. Philosophy and social work. In this episode, Plato's Cave. We go through the preliminaries, the introductions and the niceties, really. We need to introduce for beer. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, 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 I'm scraping the bottom of the fridge today. Yeah. So I've got a bottle of cores that I found. And I've got some, uh, some of these little, these little cans of Peroni. Look at that, man. Look at that. I think the vegan Peronis. Get away. Such a There's thing no, can't exist. Surely no, not. I think, I think they're my daughters, to be fair. Yeah, right, okay. So they could be. I don't know. It doesn't say anything about being vegan. Or she's just told us to make us look like an idiot, which is very possible. <laughs> easy done. Well. George, I've seen some ghost ship. Is that, is that what you got? Ghost ship, aye. Well spotted, Jamie. Good. Adams Brewery. Down in Southwold, Suffolk. From Aldi. No, I don't know if they sell an Aldi. They might sell a version in Aldi. They might do, I don't know. Okay. And Stephen? I have uh, I have a, a shapeshifter, mm. West Coast IPA, from the Four Purple Brewing Company, brewed and canned in London. Get on to them; they might now send us some free ones. Yeah, this totally what's going to happen now. Creativeness, it. I was just uh, I was just wanting to check what our numbers were up to. And the, oh, and the millions there. Wittgenstein's lion has had 72,000, no, no, 72, just 72, <laughs> 72 views. And, uh, oh, Des Cartier's barrel of apples has only had 45. That's disappointing. Well, I need to there you go. <clears throat> I need to set aside for George. We're going to get 100 in a week this time, though, Jimmy, aren't we? Kato's good. Philosopher in ancient Greece. His um, a lot of his writings were kind of influenced because of the, the, whether the times he was living in, and his teacher was Socrates. And Socrates was um, tried um, by the people of Athens in a democratic vote, and he was voted as being guilty of corrupting the young. Um, and so his, his punishment was uh, he could choose, but he chose hemlock. Uh, and Plato was quite angry about this, and he felt he felt that that was down to a, a degeneration of the state. He he had this theory of thought of forms. He felt that everything was perfect initially, and then gradually things have degenerated into what, what that don't re- resemble what they originally once looked like. So there's a perfect horse, there's a perfect bed, and then there's been copies since. But you also apply that the state, he felt that was a perfect state created by God, of the gods. Um, and he, he, he had this historicist view that the state was deteriorating. 
So he wrote a book called The Republic, and, 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 and that was his effort to address that, to address this deterioration of the, of the state and to create um, a state that wouldn't deteriorate, that was perfect. Um, so it was quite a, a close state. People had rules and stuff like that. And religion was was put in place to control the masses. Um, it was a false religion. It was placed upon them for, for control measures. Anyway, <clears throat> so he was talking about how people's minds work. And he, and he came up with a story in the book called The Cave. This is, I'm, I'm, take me time to get to this point, haven't I? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. We're, we're hanging on every word. We're, we're, we're absolutely, we're, we're in the palm of <coughs> the hand here. It's in there, in there. So, so we'll have, we'll have the cave. And what Plato said, he says, imagine this, okay? He says, you've got a bunch of people living in the cave and they're in chains, okay? They can't turn their heads around because they're fixed. The hands are... The hands are laid down so they can't, they can't actually do anything. And um, he didn't explain how they go to the toilet or how they eat or how they do any of these things, but let, let's just imagine then that, that, that they can't do a thing. So all I see is this cave wall. And on this cave wall, all I see is shadows. So there's people behind them creating the shadows. There's these shadow masters are creating the shadows. Um, <clears throat> but if all they, all they can see for all their life is these shadows, that's their reality. Okay? So there's um, so they have no other concept about life. They, they, their shadows are, are, are real. So these these cave dwellers become quite sophisticated in how they interpret the shadows. And I think they're quite clever about this. And they might sing songs, might poetry, on and, and, and that type of thing about these these shadows, which they see as real because they've got no other um, they've got no other point of view. They can't challenge that because they've got nothing to think about. This is real. This is what this means. <clears throat> and they would have some debates about all that. So then we have um, one man escapes, escapes his chains, and he manages to leave the cave. And he gets out. He's quite blinded by the sun. And he's like, you know, he's, at first he's quite really overwhelmed by it. And then, um, and then gradually his vision returns and he starts seeing things. So he starts seeing the reality of things. So you know, I talk about the, the forms, which is much more, I think that's what Plato's trying to get at. He's actually seeing a tree rather than the shadow of a tree. And he can see the depth of, of that tree. And then he could see the sunlight and when his eyes just look, he see the sunlight. He's like, wow, this, this is what the world is. Not, not my vision on the, on the cave wall. That's not what the world is. This is what the world is. This is reality, not that. So he spends some time exploring um, the world. Um, and he goes, I've got, to, I've got to go back. I've got to tell my mates to what's real. So <clears throat> he, he sets off on his mission to go and um, educate his mates and give them enlightenment and say, you know, you, you've been living this lie. These shadows in the walls aren't real. So he gets back in the cave, and because he's not used to being in the cave anymore, he's not used to being in the dark, he's used to being out in the sunlight, he stumbles around. He doesn't fit in anymore. Pardon me. So then he tells his mates, look at what you're seeing is wrong. This is, we need to get out of here. That's the light. This is, this is the truth. Not this, what you're seeing is not the truth. But then they were like, no, all I see is somebody who doesn't fit in and is stumbling around. You don't understand what we're saying anymore. So they kill him, which is quite brutal. And to this day, he's still dead. So so the man who was liberated came back and was killed. So that's the anagory. Is the anagory a great term? Of the cave. And so how does this fit in with, with social work? Because I think... I think you could take this on a few different levels. <clears throat> we could sit here and discuss how um, Plato had the foresight and how, how easily we, how we could be manipulated um, as human beings. And is, is, are the shadows in the cave the same as the, the screens on our phones or the screens on our TVs? And we're just kind of looking at the shadows and thinking we're right. And then when somebody kind of uh, checks that out and has a look elsewhere, we disprove them to know you're mad, you're 
you know, you, you're an idiot and all this type of stuff, and you get discredited and, and almost killed by, you know, by if you don't agree with what we see, that that's the way uh, you, you're not welcome anymore. <clears throat> However, for today, I think the, the important thing to look at is this: how does this fit in with social education? And are we, um, by teaching new social as our student social as about law and theory? Um, and all them other things that go along with that to become social workers. I want to take them away from the shadows that they might perceive and show them the light. <clears throat> and is that not a difficult journey? Because re I remember mine, I remember feeling, you know, when I was doing my training, I suddenly had to switch the light on and <clears throat> I was seeing the world in a depth that I hadn't seen before. I certainly felt that way. But then we start talking to people. And sometimes say they might reject you, see you brainwashed by the likes of um, and Stephen. Um, when they're not, it's really just the, the, the free thinkers now. Um, that's the journey that they're on. <clears throat> so, how do we support somebody who is going through that journey of not just looking at shadows, but looking at some, some, some great depth? Okay, so that's, I think, what we should talk today. Now, I'm going to give you a minute. Are this is just for Stephen's special effects. <laughs> Not that, eh? <clears throat> um. <laughs> so, this is some facts. Plato, as I mentioned before, um, was a pupil of Socrates, and he was also the teacher of Aristotle. Some great minds there. Plato formed the first ever university in Athens. So uh, our jobs um, are down to um, Plato. Uh, and an interesting fact, which links him to the northeast of England, as George did with Wittgenstein, is he actually worked on the docks right outside St. Peter's campus, where we work as a labourer. As a labourer. That's brilliant. And he built a QE2 right there. No way. <clears throat> I think, I think... Wait a minute, I'm not finished, I'm not finished, I'm not finished. <laughs> He also invented the straight radiator. <laughs> that is better. That's the most popular one. And he went to school with Donald Trump. No way. Yeah. I've got some photos, I'll send them on. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think, um, university fact, I think... It, it's lasted, obviously it doesn't exist now, but it lasted longer than any education ed institution. I think it was, might be 1,200 years. Yeah. One out, but lo, lo, it lasted longer than Oxford's sort of thing. <clears throat> I, I, I can feel a special effect coming in with that information, coming down well, now. It could do. <clears throat> Just whenever whenever anybody talks about Socrates, there's, there's, a, there's a contemporary link here. Um, I'm always reminded of that famous film, of which there is about to be a new one. So there's going to be a new Bill and Ted's adventure, isn't there? There's going to be a new Bill and Ted's film. So will we get a Socrates reference into the Bill, Bill and Ted's film? Oh, I think it's really, absolutely pants. Are we? Well, well <coughs> subject. It, it will well, it will be. I'd imagine. You know, <laughs> what is it? The third one in? It's not. It's not. It's never going to be as good as the first one, is it? But yeah, the, interesting. The, the villain. Bill and Ted link, Keanu Reeves, Matrix, isn't it? Matrix is very much the case. Absolutely. And George. And and Plato was Keanu Reeves' uncle. I heard that. Had you heard that? <laughs> but actually, but actually, actually, that 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 leads me into a slightly more serious conversation. Which is, which I think is what what this what this is getting at, isn't it? Which is, how do we know what's true? How do we know what the reality of things is? Do you know what I mean? So you've given some rather spurious facts about Plato being a docker or related to Canaries there. So how do people know that's true? And do you know, one thing that that struck me today when when we were teaching was um, I put a I put a quote up on the on on the screen from a from Matthew Walker um, who's who who's written a book on sleep. And I read this quote out, and it's quite a it's quite a damning quote about about kind of the physical effect of, of lack of sleep. 
and and one of the students and oh, right, so, yeah, right, <laughs> right so I didn't have a problem with the question at all and, and I, th I think it was a very healthy thing to say really um she said has he got any proof for that I thought fair enough you know what I mean and and my response was well, yes he has he's researched sleep like all his work and life but it, but it got me to think when I was at university well, New College Durham, because I didn't scale the dizzy heights of, of university status. When I was at New College, when I was at New College Durham, it would never have crossed my mind that a lecturer in a university quoting somebody from a book would ever do that without it being factually accurate. And I was thinking about this afterwards. I was thinking, is that the point we've got to, where actually all people are ever seeing? Are the shadows on the walls, and but I've got, and I've, and I've got a point now where we've got no idea what's true and what's not true anymore. To the point where people would question. I'm not. I'm not trying to sound like elite story over here. Would question lecturer in a university quoting someone from a book is like, well, is that factual? Is that is that where we've got to? Because we're now so used to questioning people mm. who then things to us as fact. And spin on his head. Is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? Uh, I, I I applaud I for asking the question. That you know that that wasn't that that you know. And I think we should question um, all of these facts we're presented with. Where where does the role of kind of expert fit in that? Without going too far away from the Plato's cave thing, where does the role of expert fit in that? You've got all the climate change deniers and all these kind of people. So, you know, people are now now say experts as actually people who are getting in the way of things rather than people who are and the whole COVID thing, we're not following the science apparently, but but people are reluctant to want to to uh accept the guidance and advice of people who 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 are the ones who probably are best placed to give that. But is that not because over the years we've heard so many things, you know. Caffeine gives you cancer. Caffeine's really good for you before a run. Caffeine does this. Caffeine does that. The point now, people just don't know. And actually, researchers and scientists play into that game anyway. Um, so we just don't know what the reality is of a situation. We just know what the reality is right now in this minute by what we're being told. Yeah, it's a bit of Jacob, a bit of existentialism again. Um, but I think me and George have had this conversation before, haven't we, George? When the whole Brexit debate happened, um, we were saying, we, I remember we, we discussing this and, think, and saying, well, how do we know? How do we know what we know? Because, you know, you, you, can, you can lay criticism. I was, I was discussing this today about um, close thinking. And so we could lay criticism toward those people who they were strong Brexit yes, because they were listening to just one side of the argument and they were listening to the rest of the argument. But the question that we kind of posed to each other at the time was, well, are we do are we how are we so different? Mm. I was reading arguments to support the Brexit. I was reading the ones that that didn't. Um, so so and then so then I was asking the question, where do we get information from? So is our uh, our uh, resources any better than theirs? And so how do you have how do you have that, that unless you're really interested in something and we're studying it you know from a, a, on an academic level where we look at both sides of the argument and we're trying to try to trade it all together but you don't do that in real life mm. so I think in, in university we do but in in real life I think we're just really what we're interested in don't we? we're thinking right that supports my view so I'm going to continue on with it and then and do it and do it should we be really challenging ourselves in in, in life and, and looking at it, it, different aspects, looking at, you know, what, what's this man who's just went out of the cave and come back and said, because that's, sometimes that's what it is, isn't it? So if somebody came to me and said, um, oh, I believe the earth's flat, I would laugh at them. I generally would think, God, you're an idiot. But, but then why? What, what, he's got something to say. I should listen to that and kind of bring it into my own thought processes and then kind of let's weigh it up, let's weigh up the evidence. But the point, you're, what you're meaning, Stephen, is how do we do that? Where do we get our information from? And how do we know it's right compared to their information? So I think, I think it's really difficult. So could we could we be in Plato's cave and, and somebody said, oh, the world's round, and, and we're, we're, we're watching the shadow and the wall, that the world's round? It's just the same, isn't it? And, and, and then we'll have some people left the cave and come out and say it's flat. 
I mean, just a disclaimer here, I don't believe a woman is flat. But how do you, but that's the question is, how do you know? And going back to, to the first um, podcast we did on, on existentialism, is what, what uh, Descartes said, I guess his name right now, what Descartes says about, um, about I think therefore I am. So the only thing we can actually really know is that I'm having the thought process at this moment in time. I clearly know I've existed for 47 years. I might have been programmed to think that. So the only thing we know is that we're having this thought process. And everything else will kind of kind of make our own way around with that. So we've got a thought, but what do we do with it? Because it leaves you in a position thinking, I know nothing. Because especially now, because you, you, you can pick up you can pick your iPhone and it'll tell you loads of information and you think about it. That seems right. That's from a reliable source. But there's a counter argument from another, another reliable source. And you think, well, I don't know. Mm. You've got to use your rationale to kind of come up with something. Mm. Well, I don't, I don't mm. know the answer. I mean, to take a back to play, though, maybe there's an answer here, and I think I can explain this. So, pretty much, Jamie, you, you're more expert than me, but Plato is an idealist. So, his view of the thorns, his view of how society be structured, wasn't evidence-based, just through his observations, can't observe the forms in heaven. That's just an idea, isn't it? Aristotle is the man who, well, I'm going to go out to the shoreline and measure the cut fish, cut it open, see where the lungs are. He was the first scientist. So immediately, Plato's view of the world was sort of challenged by his people. Okay, your forms and ideas are okay, but we still need to go out and measure things. Mm. You see what I mean? So there's that, there's that separation straight away. And I think the, 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 to go back to the cave analogy and probably link with the science, a guy comes out of the cave, I've seen this described before, and he sees the sun coming up. And let's say he's a perfect scientist. Does he immediately decide the sun's going to come every day? Or does he wait till tomorrow and see if it comes up again? How many days does he wait till it's a fact? Someone could go on, well, the first 365 days are just a fluke. Maybe right. tomorrow won't be. So, so it's this ever sliding sort of scale of evidence, isn't it? But I, I, what I would say, though, and I think how the, the public's wrote in that, it's a conversation, isn't it? It's given examples. It's, it's a sort of dialogue. Dialogue, yeah, is that right? Um, it's those think, critical thinking skills. Those critical thinking skills are there for your people asking you that question. Your response could be, yeah, he's done one study, whether it's reproducible or not, whether it's a good study or not, it's a little bit up the rung, or there might be loads of stuff. But that's different to the flat earther guy who's, mm-hmm. who doesn't have any critical thinking skills because mm-hmm. um, it, it is, it's 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 a train track thinking, isn't it? Um, it's A, I'm going to B, there's no turns, I'm going to speak. The, 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 the critical person that played Aristotle, well, it's, it's, it's through discussion, it's through uh, debate. So it's it's constant way up of factors, isn't it? Um, and, and Plato's warning um, is that only a few people can ex- uh, escape the cave. Not everyone can. That's why the philosophers have to be in charge, isn't it? So it's a, it's a bit of a pessimistic view who can escape the sort of yeah, it was a quite a pessimistic man, I think, in some of the drains. But I think it, it leads to another philosopher, I don't know, Robert, I love this guy for, for quite a bit. But that's kind of what Karl Popper was saying. He was saying about that, you know, you, you've got, <clears throat> unless you have that creative thinking, and, and you can make that leap between that dogmatic thinking. So he he, he was he argued that, like said, people who followed Marxism and need Marx himself and Engels had this kind of dogmatic thinking. Thing. No, I'm right. And any challenge with that, you would you, make it fit your argument. And they believed again, historicists, that society was was um, devolving to, to such a state. <clears throat> Marx said it was it was it was so so Plato said it was it was devolving um, and, and and degrading. Where Marx said it was actually developing into this this massive communist state. But what what Popper was saying about um, Karl Marx is that his his philosophy was very closed. It was it didn't it didn't accept challenge. So it was a case I'm right, I'm gonna try and prove I'm right. 
when it, and he's in, he, he talks with Einstein, who said, <clears throat> I think I'm right. I'm gonna try, what you said, George, before, I'm going to try and prove it wrong. And that's what, that's what Einstein did, try to prove his theories wrong, where the likes of Karl Marx had proved them right. So that was different. So you had dogmatic thinking against critical thinking. And I think that, that's mm. definitely the direction we go down, isn't it? Is that critical thinking. Um, and, and that's all you can do is kind of weigh up the evidence that's in front of you, can't you? I think you can, and I think I think we're right to pick up on critical thinking. It's where it obviously takes us, and I think that's what's devoid um, at the moment in some of the kind of the the kind of political shenanigans that are going on now. And and, and we have people, we have people like Trump. I'm not I'm not sure Johnson's as bad as this, but but Trump certainly is. The proof is that I'm I'm telling you it. That's his proof, isn't it? And, and he doesn't see any reason why you need to kind of um, give any more than that. And I think going back. Kind of flat earth, round earth kind of kind of argument. One of the problems there is that lack of critical thinking from people like that. And I think one of the one of the issues um, is that I think we now we 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 do this. We're all guilty of this because of how much we're online and in social media. We live in you know this echo chamber idea. We just we, we tend to be friends with largely with people who are are similar to us. So we just hear our own views returned to us and so do the flat earthers so they don't need any proof because the proof is that all their mates are saying all the same things so they're quite happy to stay in the cave and then when somebody from who's somebody who's been outside and, and seen the sun comes back in it's like well it can't be true because all my mates are telling me that, that that it's not true all my mates are telling me this is this is how it is and i think that's the position i think that's as a, as a society now that's kind of broadly the position that we've got into that as long as as long as as long as I'm comfortable with it and enough of my friends are comfortable with it and I'm hearing it all the time, I don't have to worry about the alternative view. I don't have to try and find some common ground. I don't have to listen to the guy who's seen the sun because we know how this works because we're all seeing we're all seeing the way it is and the and I think that's a I think that's a, a real problem that we've got um in society these days. And and then and then I don't know whether you've seen the social dilemma, the the Netflix thing. Um then we've got um likes of facebook and twitter refeeding us all of this stuff again so it looks like it, you know they're 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 selecting the stuff that we see so how can we how can we ever how can people ever get to this philosophical thinking point where they're actually critical thinking and weighing up things when they know because it's all they see day in day out that they've already found the answer they don't need to think about it. i think that's the problem in other other line of it, it never really leads you to extreme positions, doesn't it? That's that's the issue. Yeah. yeah. Either either the, the earth has to be flat, you know, or round. The virus has to be fake. It, um, racism's real, or it doesn't exist. The reasonable person, typically, is it's like what Jim is saying. It's how do we know better? It's real. It's a real dilemma. I just feel the reasonable person is going to be something you know, in between. But, yeah. I think if you just go back to the cave, I think the link between social work intervention or training the student that maybe he's got lamb already ready to practice and you don't think, ah, oh, that dazzling sunlight to realise, well, yeah, my parents have been terrible for five years and I've really damaged my family, or I'm not ready to be a social worker, yeah, I've got a lot of work to do. That's a that's a frightening, startling, to, to some, one party is probably protecting against that realisation, isn't it? Mm. And I think, and I think the bit, the job that we have, is to be gentle. It, it, it's similar to flat earther. You'll never win an argument with flat earther, probably at all. But by saying you're wrong, you're an idiot. Because mm. then there's ramping up their side, just putting coal in the fire. That just getting it hot. Mm. <clears throat> Say, well, what you led you to think like this, and if you if you have a time where you've questioned it or. Or how much reading have you done about these things? Just passive questions might get you a little bit further. I don't know if it would, but it, it, it'd be something. Oh, to, to, to bring about ancient Greece and uh, use a Socratic argument, <clears throat> what Socrates would do and, and say, well, oh, yeah, yeah, it's flat. All right, okay, tell us about that. And we'll have a conversation about that. And if you watch some of the dialogues that Plato wrote about, because Socrates didn't write anything down, Plato did. 
and who hit them, and that's how he described uh, Socrates, and he would have that kind of conversation with somebody, where they would initially agree with somebody, um, and he would pretend he didn't know nothing on the subject, Socrates, and then he would say, all right, and they would have a conversation, <clears throat> and you would see some of the dialogues when you're reading them, they're really, really good, and they're easy to read, um, where Socrates has kind of turned some of his argument round very, very quickly, to suit the way he, he, the way he thinks it should go, um, quite unbeknown to the person who was uh, she started the conversation off. But going back to your point, George, <clears throat> about extremes, is that we should, we should be avoiding extremes. And I think, should we? Because I think it's extremes thinking, which has probably led us to some of the better parts of society and the worst parts of society. So if you think about in ancient, in ancient Greece, uh, slavery was prevalent in, that, in those times. And even kind of play, would never ever discouraged it and hit none of his writings. Um, so there would, there would have been somebody around then saying slavery is wrong. So that would be an extreme view. So yeah, so, so it's, 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 I think we need to keep ourselves or minds open enough to think that um, do we sometimes need an extreme view to challenge something? Or, or are we so confident and comfortable with society as it is? I don't think we should be. I think we're living in a kind of the most unbalanced, you know, part of economically in the world than, than, than it's ever been. So I think sometimes we'll, we may need, I want to say we need extreme solutions. Um, but, you know, we'll have, an, we'll have so, so much um, poverty in the world. People are starving to death. And the other side of the world, people are living in, you know, in mansions. And is that, is that any different to, you know, to in comparison to ancient Greece when, when slavery was acceptable? And somebody, somebody said, must have said at one point, this is not right, and would have been classed an extremist. So now, so so should we say somebody's an extremist? Now we turn around and say capitalism not profit, or whatever you want to say is wrong, or socialism, communism, or you know totalitarianism is wrong. So you know, I think I think I, I, I don't think we should be shying away from extreme views. Um, I think I think the important part of them is I think we should be discussing them and debating them. And rather than kind of shine away from them, and I think I think that's probably the role. Maybe it's not a very social, of course. Maybe but but if the universities and in, in, in academia is kind of look at these these topics and think let's discuss it, let's critically analyze something and come up with with, with hopefully with a solution. Um, it's cool because what we would like to think is in, we in the Western world are right. But I sometimes don't think we are. I think that needs challenging. That went a bit deep, didn't it? Absolutely, you know, we've all gone very quiet. It's very reverent uh, of the, the the conversation there. I think the, I think one of the problems is that people people have people have extreme views based on them having very little knowledge of why they've arrived at that extreme view. That's the problem these days. I think. Um, who, who's the guy on? Uh, oh, who's the the radio DJ, the, the talk radio fellow, London something or other, who challenges people? And I remember listening to him around the around the Brexit time. Somebody came on and said, "It's all the it, this so, idea of socialism is ridiculous." So he was kind of saying, "Well, tell me what socialism is." And this guy couldn't tell him. He was against it. He was against this idea. He was against this concept. He had no idea what it was. And I think that's the. the I'm not sure I could have done a better job. To be fair, but but it's but it's that's that's where we're at now. People have got extreme views. Without being willing to uh, examine them, back the back to the apples, um, it, without being willing to examine them or be moved from that position, um, and it's interesting. It's interesting you say that you know it, the role of university maybe should be to remove these extreme views from the barrel and have a good examine of them, but I think in reality universities are terrified to do that in case the 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 presentation of such views and the uh, exploration of them is is viewed um, negatively and therefore it affects them as a business. And I think that's that's one of the problems. I don't think universities fulfill a role now that they used to fulfill, um, I don't know, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, whatever. I think that's, that's a problem. It's the consumers now when they can demand what's being taught. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, look, look at extreme views that, that we think may be positive is uh, Greta Thornberg, what's is it Greta Thornberg her name? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the young woman who kind of is a quite a strong activist for, um, for, for for the world and for green peace and for you know clean living. So a lot of people would see her as um, um, quite an activist and have extreme views. Um, <clears throat> yeah, some of them will think, um, probably yourself, thinking, 
actually she's got the champion get somebody out of his champion for a good cause because we can see the, the devastation but you know there's, there's a big huge part of the population would see as an extremist mm-hmm. and those i suppose if you if you go go back, go back in recent history those people who kind of uh, fought for uh, republicanism in in ireland not 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 condoning any kind of violence you know not much of the the the, um, the army or the ira or anything like that but those people who fought for, fought for it politically were seen as extremists, and I think there's a general view now is that you know the way the, the Irish Republicans were were threat um, was really really bad. At the time, those people were seen as extremists. You know, so I think I think sometimes I think we've got to kind of be our head up and say, hang on, maybe this is right. And I think as long as you're coming from that from a human rights standpoint, and you advocate for people's human rights. I think, I think that, that's your litmus test, isn't it? Mm. So you can apply your critical thinking, apply based on rights of other people. And that's the one topical thing, and sort of go, the, the other big republic in the world, apart from Plato, was the USA. Um, obviously, you've got this new judge that they're trying to swear in. Um, read a little bit about her. <clears throat> she fundamentally believes. And this is sort of a platonic point, I suppose, that the Constitution of the United States cannot be interpreted. It is a document that was wrote, and that's what we've got to go by. So if it says you've got a right to bear arms, if it says um, free speech means this, if it says that, that, the other, who are we to interpret it? You've got to go by it. Now, it, it's interesting. I like Jamie's perspective. Is that an extreme view? A bit of paper that set this country up is what we'll have to go by. So it'd be like, it'd be like if Plato set up his republic and he said we're going to need to go by it. Well, then can people change that? Well, there's a set of people in America believe no, that's what we signed up to, that's what this flag means. And, and there's a sense to that. So in a way, it's an, it's, I would separate out these extreme views between um, the world's flags or the cave drones are real versus, oh, this is our country, this is the original bit of paper, we've all signed up to that. There's a, there's a slight difference in logic. Do you see what I mean, Jamie? And I think the person that's a slave to think, well, we're all equal. Again, it's not, it's not an absurd position. See what I mean? It, it is extreme because it's against the state's rule, but there's a, there's a, there's a, there is a logic to it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a meaningful separation there or not? So, again, I'm a good parent because my children have all got their heads on them, or I'm sane because I've managed so far, and who are you, Mr. Um, mental Health Worker, to section me? I've lived on this planet for 40 years, so have you. There is a bit of sense to that, isn't it? Mm. There is. Well, that's, it, it, it's where do you go with it, isn't it? Again, going, I think going back that close and open thinking, isn't it? So, uh, our, so it's a bit close thinking. Oh well, the law says this says that. This constitution says that. All this evidence is stacked. And obviously, this is wrong. But no, we're, we're close. We're not. We're not even thinking about that. We're thinking about you know, uh, you know, taking guns away because this this bit of paper says says we should keep guns. All the evidence you, you just, uh, just eradicate critical thinking completely just doesn't happen because it's close society which is saying we're protecting our values in this society because and these are so so important that we're going to eradicate critical thinking as a result and i think that's the danger i think that's what you know Karl Popper, that's what he calls what he's um <clears throat> the open state and its enemies open society and the enemies i think it's called and that's what he's saying this is that you know you've got a, cl- a close <laughs> he wrote this in the time of the second world war um, and he was witnessing, you know, the rise of um, communism in Russia and and the Nazism. And there was a big conflict between. And what he was saying was interesting in his book because he was saying that at the time, and he was from Austria, so he was, he was right in the bang in the middle of it. He was saying there was a, a massive rise towards um, the Nazis. The world kind of really kind of valued what the Nazis were standing for. And there was a lot of support for him. And he was saying he was only kind of Winston Churchill in Great Britain. It was really, really challenging and being open about it. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'm not going to kind of support Winston Churchill that much, to be fair. But yeah, he he, he was the one that was seeing what was happening and kind of he made a stand against it. So I think, I think the, the, the point being is, 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 is that, is that, 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 that close society is really dangerous and we need to have that level of critical thinking outside of that to see the hand. So we, we, we might reach a stage now where we might think mm, the monarchy 
um, how, the argument could be how can we have an equal society when some people are born more equal than others? And that's the state the monarchy, isn't it? So you can take the, the questions of the finances out, out of the equation quite easily. However, you can see, well, and the prince's children um, have more rights than my children. How can that be? If we, if we live in an equal society, how can that be right? So we could still have that. But we have, we have a bit of a closed society, don't we, when it comes to that? That's it. I think we don't challenge that. Because that's, that's what we're proud of. And is that any different to the Americans and the Buddhists? The argument itself, I mean, I know the, the outcome is extremely different, and we're trying to minimise that. But is there any difference? Should, should, why do societies need to have that? Why do societies need to have this, this closed bit that where they don't quickly analyse it? It's a case of no, that's what it is, we're not going to discuss it. Well, you need the you need the critical analysis and the critical thinking in those closed bits, don't you? But, but I think the problem the problem with some of those things you say there, the money is, is a good example is is those groups are closed in order to maintain power. So you know, I don't know whether there's an argument to be made that that, that actually it's kind of the argument about the the Conservative Party. People people say people say the government at the minute don't know what they're doing, and other people say actually they know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing and what they're doing is maintaining a closed system. They are thinking critically about it, but they're thinking about critically from a different perspective because they know exactly what they're trying to do at the minute. They know exactly what's going on. They know exactly why they're keeping universities and schools open. They know exactly why they're trying to maintain some sort of semblance of um of, of capitalism uh, in in the face of this virus they know exactly what they're doing they know exactly why they're doing that and the reason they keep it closed and the reason they don't want us thinking critically and trying to invade their closed group um is because like i said they know exactly what they're doing so it brings about the point isn't it so <clears throat> we've went down a bit of a rabbit hole and come up with no solutions haven't we because i think what we're worth going down we're worth seeing that critical thinkers will be out and they're waiting to a better society, a bit with, you know, how we can think. But now we're kind of seeing that actually critical thinking is kind of getting be, is, is being used as well. So so it doesn't give any kind of solutions out of it, does it? Because if, if, the, if the conservative government is in critical thinking, I'm sure they are, um, to continue to do what they're doing, and we use critical thinking to continue what we're doing, we're going we're gonna to have this complete dichotomy on of with the way we're happy for forever and a day, and there's, there's, there's kind of no way out. And, and maybe this is the, 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 to get the blue bottle out of the, get, get the fly out of the, fly out of the bottle, isn't it? It's that sort of philosophy to try and get well these conundrums. I suppose um, to link this together a little bit, in, in a sense, to go back to government and probably, I know I keep, well, okay to keep on about social, isn't it? That's not good. But, I don't think people give two hoots about critical thinking. People give two hoots about good execution. So, uh, so say the Conservatives, maybe they've got an idea what they're doing, but the execution is poor. So Plato's Republic, um, some elements might have got introduced, um, but it, it would be whether it works or not in a book to whether it works in in real life is the question, isn't it? And, mm. and, and, Okay. It's the same. It's like I could write a really good essay, or I could do a really good risk assessment. But what is the practice that's linked with that to enter the real world? To coming out the cave, so you can have all the ideas about the things, but until you look at the sun and, and do it, and, and 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 I think that going back to extremist, I think without the thing, you've got to have the critical thinking skills, but then the practical bit. Mm. If you just have one without the other, I think you're lost. No, which is really hard, but it, yeah. it, it, I don't think it's a point made. Really, I mean, I'll just reinforce my political point. If, if I could ask politicians questions, a lot of it would be less about the politics, more about the execution of something. So, okay, you believe this, prison reform or benefits or whatever. Well, what is your record at actually achieving that? Rather than disagreeing with the point, it's more how it was achieved or implemented. And I, and I wonder how much of politics is really that, but that's hardly ever discussed. It's a bit like if you're a social work manager, bit you see is the essay, the, the type bit. You've, the time seen the person talking or doing any intervention is almost 
minimal. Mm. And I, I used to always say this when I was a social, I'd be um, dyslexic and having real problems with paperwork. I used to get it done, um, but I said I wouldn't understand the actual practice where it was. I was really proud of my practice work. I was really proud of some of the outcomes I achieved, and I'm still very proud of that. Um, but I was judged on my paperwork, and mm. it was very, very frustrating. I think, yeah, but you know, at the time, you know, I was like keeping loads of people out of care um, and keeping supporting the community and doing what I should have been doing. I've been doing that in other social work and success, wasn't it? But they wrote fantastic reports and the, and the manager didn't get on the back, but because um, because you got some spelling and grammatical errors, you know, but you, you're judged on that because that's what they see. Mm-hmm. They don't see, they don't see that. And that's what the performance data is on, really, isn't it? It's not your performance data is on how much you actually churn out as in paperwork, not as in, in outcomes you have to people's lives. So I think, yeah, I think you've got a good, a good point there, George. Because the biggest thing, sorry, Stephen, I'm mm. your turn, Tom, but we are trapped in the system. It's interesting. Someone contacted our team to do a bit of research on how to connect care, arrangements last through time. So, what happens in 10 years time, 15 years time, the two-year-old that's capable by the grandparents, what are the outcomes? This researcher from, might be Sheffield Hallam, maybe, I don't know, I'm not naming names. The entire basis for judging a good outcome is whether it's re-referred back to social care. And I was like, oh my God, it's like, it, it's, it's just a terrible yardstick. If, is, is that it? The thing we've got in our own system tells you whether it's been a success or not. It, it, it's exactly Jamie's point. You've done a good job with that one person if your assessment is praised by a manager and nothing else matters. It's just ridiculous, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- I think you're right. Just to take this into, into social work education, um, it's, that, it, it's, it's that thing that we know is that it's that tension between the university book learning and, and the practice, isn't it? You know, it's, it's the tension that's between that and how we kind of how we kind of meld those two things together. And they're on, they're on placement, uh, students are on placement longer than they're sat in a classroom. And, and I think that's only right, because uh, you know, taking your point about practice, I think that's right. I think there's only so much you can teach people before they have to go and try it out in, in, in the reality of practice. And actually, I'd, I'd argue that there are some things we simply can't teach people. There are some things that certain types of people who can already do certain types of things. All right, we can shape it and hone it a bit and improve it a bit, you know, by giving, by giving them practice at it. Um, but there are some things we can't we can't teach people, and, and we've got that that whole thing, uh, um, which is something that often gets pondered: is who ultimately be, makes the best social workers? And it isn't necessarily it isn't necessarily the people that come out with firsts. It could be the people that come out with thirds because it's what they do that's kind of more important than the quality of kind of the written work, the academic work, if you like, important in some ways as that as that is. Um, it is it is in that face-to-face um, nature of, of, of practice where people are going to demonstrate their quality, you know? By, by the, the, the critical theories and the legislation um, to the actual situation in, in hand, isn't it? So that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's what good social work is. And, and when I say critical theories, I'm talking about your own skills as well, mm. so all that kind of communication skills. And the granddaddy, the more Mr. Carl Rogers, still enjoy that line. <laughs> Excellent. Should we summarise in some way? Didn't we decide we were going to do a takeaway each? I'm not sure I can yeah. pull a takeaway out of the complexity of this uh, this discussion. We went very deep. Um, Plato takes with him a fascinating, fascinating man. Takes in so many different directions. He's very, very clever in his in, in his little story of the cave, and you know. And I, but I think I think it resonates so much with today. Yeah. Um, is 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 that I think a lot a lot, a lot of Plato's writing. I think was very, very uh, astute. I don't agree with. I don't agree with most of what he wrote. Um, I think his, I think if you followed his writing, I think you would. Pardon me. You would. It would lead you down to, um, you know, a very much a totalitarian. I can now get away. Totalitarian state. Totalitarian. Yeah, totalitarian state. Um, because I think he generally believes. I think that's probably the arrogance of his, of his brilliant mind. I think. 
Uh, but yeah, I think you did raise a lot of questions on on democracy, and I think that if there's kind of some debates that we'll probably need to have in the future, um, go and check democracy. And um, was it you? Did you not have a conversation with? Um, he, he turned on and says, um, if we we'll have pure democracy in its purest form, um, we would have likes of uh, ports and port. Yeah, that was exactly what ports would be dictating social policy. Um, anything else? Post with with um, somebody from um, um, celebrity or um, what, what was Donald Trump famous for? What was his television program? Francis. Francis. Yeah. So you have so so replace replace the word um, poet with a Monday equivalent in mm. modern policy, and, and and that's the world we're in. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Of course it is. Yeah. I think I think my takeaway would be the thing that I, that I often say to uh, to students. When they arrive, is, is is while I'm while I'm interested in turning out a social worker, I'm actually more interested in turning out a person who can think for themselves and mm-hmm. and challenge their own thinking. You know, so don't don't just take what you what you believe and understand to be true as necessarily true. Be be a be a thinker, be a critical yeah. thinker about about what you perceive as reality and what other people tell you are their realities be, be be critical about it. think it think it through and actually if you can if you can be a be a, a skillful thinker you'll be a skillful anything um it would it would be would be what i would kind of say yeah what you look at even a skillful footballer why i've always dreamed of being that <laughs> i think it would be anything you wanted to be jamie scott <laughs> George, what's your takeaway point? I think my takeaway, probably just piggyback on yours too. I think if you think of the social work student, I think they've got to be prepared for the journey going out of the cave into the sunlight and finding out about the world with fresh eyes. I think there's got to be some movement and thought and exploration. And equally, they've got to be prepared to be the person to say, by the way, you're not a very good parent. This isn't working out very well. Or not in those words. I'm not. I'm just some paraphrase. Or I'm actually pretty worried about your mental health. Or I'm worried about how you're looking after yourself. And to get that response, that sort of what the hell are you talking about? No way. That sort of the chain that I the chain to their their concept of their own reality. And how daily would you hold on to that as a person? Um, you're just someone that's escaped, pissed off, you've left the team, haven't you, really? Why are they going to listen to you? So I think that that's very analogous of social work. I can, I can really say it. And I think particularly the social work student. Hmm. There you go. Cue the music. Hmm? Cue the music at that point. <laughs> <laughs>